0: your regularly scheduled program to bring you this John Pa news team exclusive, COVID Chronicles, America in lockdown. We send you now to the John Pa Studios and your host, Dustin Jones. Welcome back once again. Good morning, good afternoon, around the world, across the country, wherever you may be. I am your host, Dustin Jones. Welcome back to another episode of Just Another White Guy's Podcast, The COVID Chronicles. I am happy to be joined today by someone who has been on the podcast before, a returning member of the Jogpod family, and a long time, probably the person that's been on this podcast that I've known the longest, Uh, that would be uh, the man himself, Donnie Hernison. Donnie, welcome back to the show, sir.
1: Thanks, it's good. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I think this is round three. Uh, you know, so three, over the last what two three or f- so?
0: three or four, I think.
1: So something like that, yeah. So uh, yeah, I know. Uh, just this week, I was listening to some old episodes with other old no City guys, and uh, you know, it kind of got me back into the podcast mode again.
0: Well, uh, I appreciate <laughs> you uh, listening. It's uh, I-, I need all of the downloads and uh, subscribers that I can get. So uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. I would imagine uh, you checked out uh, one of the most recent COVID chronicles with our, our good friend Josh Mink.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was good to hear, uh, you know, and knowing that Josh was back in Oregon uh, and listening to his take. And given the fact that we both uh, are, are teachers or are educators, you know, that it, was, it was nice to hear his take on how things are going. Um, it was also great. You know, I was out on a run while I was listening to it, and it, was, it, was, it killed an hour real fast.
0: Well, that's what we're here for, just to give people a little bit of a distraction, some entertainment, something to uh brighten their days during these uh interesting times. So, yeah, you you said that uh, you've been back up in uh in Hood River and and doing your thing for uh, about a month now and and uh it's been it's been a bit of a shift cuz you've you've been working in our old stomping grounds in Mill City. What's what's that been like for you to go back there?
1: You know, it's uh I don't want to say it's uh it was different it wasn't what I expected by any means um but uh you know because it was it was a lot of as kids are coming through my classes it was like wait I think I know oh, I know your parents yeah oh I know your parents oh yeah I went to school with your parents you know and it was it was it's a lot of that you know like you know, like over and over and like for what for eight months you know figuring out different connections that I had with kids that I didn't know I had, you know? Uh, so it, it was cool. It was, uh, it was definitely interesting. Uh, there's only two teachers that are still there, um, that were there when we were there, um, both, uh, Ross Miller and Carrie Croston. Um, and so, but, uh, everybody else is new. Um, but, uh, still lots of connections up there. Um, and you go into a basketball game up there it was really a great experience. Um, you know, so I started, uh, Volunteer coaching with uh, Coach Plotz, uh one of our old coaches, uh, with the girls' basketball, and it was it was great just being in the stands um, and seeing all the same old faces from from 20 years ago. You know, uh, it's it's truly a, it's a community event. Uh, those old sports events, it's it's nice.
0: Yeah, Mill City is one of those uh, places where uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: It's, it's very true. Yeah, you're driving around, uh, you know, like it's there, there's very little that's changed up there uh, you know maybe owners of stores and whatnot um, but it, it hasn't changed very much at all it's like a time capsule
0: yeah I was uh, I was in Mill City just about a year ago so of course uh, my sister Heather passed away and we had yeah. to go and and do funeral and, and and those sorts of things and I drank at the trio for the first time ever
1: nice <laughs> that was uh, yeah.
0: that was that was an interesting experience
1: Yeah, I was up there for – actually, I was up uh, this last fall. Uh, I was uh, in Omsville with my dad, and I was looking for a place to catch um, one of the duck games. that was on Pac-12. I didn't have Pac-12. And I was looking for a place for a bar to go get some food and and get a drink and watch the game. And I drove around Staten and could not find a place. Uh, And then uh, I messaged up another old friend, Jed Hennis. Um, and said, hey, would the trio have the game on? And he was like, oh, yeah, for sure. You know. And so I drove all up to Mill City and spent really, I think I was up there for like six hours watching the game and eating um, and just talking to old locals, people I didn't know. I, I didn't even know them. Uh, and, but it was, it was a good experience going back up there. The food was good uh, and got to hang out. Um, and then uh, I did the trio also um, for the alumni tournament this last year, and it was, the place was actually rocking. There was probably fifty or sixty people in there, so it was crazy.
0: <laughs> I was I was actually surprised with the uh, selection of uh, beverages available, but uh, I do believe that I, I drank hams the whole time because it just <laughs> felt uh, it just felt natural to be back in. Uh, back in the canyon and uh, going to the hams.
1: Yeah, I, I can't say I would do the same. Uh, I, after I moved to Hood River back uh, in 2007, I became a whole lot more of a craft beer Um, drinker Uh, and Oregon itself, you know, I'm just assuming we have way better beer than Oklahoma uh, and Texas, you know, so I'm just going to make that assumption.
0: Well, you're, you're, Uh, uh, you're incorrect. We have a lot of really good beer down here, but.
1: Okay. All right. right. I'll give you that. I'll have to try that sometime. Uh, So, but uh, anyway, so, but even I was surprised too at uh, the trio and and how much of a craft beer selection they did have on tap. So pretty impressed. Yeah.
0: we, uh, we, we've we been, I, I don't know about you, but ever since we've gone into quarantine, uh, my drinking has gone up uh, significantly, and I have uh, been enjoying a lot of different beer. I have a few that I, I really enjoy. I, I'm, I'm always passionate about uh, a beer that I first started drinking in Oklahoma, but it's actually made right here in Texas. It's called Shiner, Shiner Bach, <laughs> Shiner Light shiner anything shiner uh, i'm in for and uh i've i've been drinking a a substantial amount of uh shiner beer lately i don't know i don't know what your drinking levels are currently but uh it's it's one of the things that i just seem to do to pass the time
1: before um so i was uh i was still drinking enough beer um this fall and winter um and then right up to about christmas and then at christmas for some reason, uh, I just kind of stopped. Uh, and I, I hadn't had a beer from Christmas until probably mid February. Um, and so it just, it was, just, it wasn't a thing I was doing. I just, it just worked out that way. Um, but then all of a sudden, uh, I, uh, started getting back into, um, Pendleton whiskey. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, and then um it just it's become a thing lately um that I'm I'm just drinking Pendleton these days and it just so happens that it, it I don't know if you know this but Pendleton whiskey is distilled here in Hood River. Uh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so uh it is it is distilled by the Hood River Distillers. Um they make HRD vodka, Monarch rum, stuff like that. Um and so uh but uh so that it's become a thing. so I've mostly been on Pendleton um and Kind of been staying away from beer. Coincidentally, I've lost about 12 pounds during this crisis. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's a correlation there or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I. What did I see? Uh, there was a meme going around. You're going to come out of quarantine either uh, three to. I don't remember what it is, but uh, I feel like either people are going to end up uh, coming out of this uh, shredded or uh, extra extra plump.
1: Yeah, it's – my fitness routine has totally changed, uh, you know, and, and probably 90% of that is, is due to my wife kicking me out the door and telling me to go for a run or, or working out with her. Um, but um, it's – I've lost, uh, like I said, 10 or 12 pounds, uh, and my eating has gotten better. Uh, you know, like I, I I can't say anything bad about being at home. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I don't find myself – I don't find myself grazing as much now that I'm home all day long, which you would think would be different, but uh, yeah, I don't. I just, it's just a weird thing. I feel like uh, I ate a lot of crap at work just because I was hating every minute of being there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> so it's just
0: like, uh, what else do I have to eat? Let me just eat some more of this.
1: Yeah, it's been. Uh, I've been keeping busy. I mean, besides doing. I've had to get up, you know, like I said, this whole teaching online thing has been a lot more sitting in front of a computer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's way easier to get up and take breaks. I go out and mow the lawn, go out and jump on the trampoline with my kids uh, and, you know, go out and do just house projects in general. You know, so there's uh, I feel like there's actually a lot more moving around now than I was doing before. Yeah, and I've I've been
0: very thankful. the The weather has uh, started to warm up a bit down here in Texas. I know people think in Houston it's always nice and warm, but that definitely has not been the case uh, this so far this spring. Uh, and so we've uh, had some pool weather the last few days. It's going to be up in the 90s as we're recording this on uh, Friday. And uh, after this, I think I'm going to be out in the pool. So I'm very yeah, much looking blame. forward to that. When you're when you're quarantined and you have a pool, it's very, it's, it's a lot easier.
1: Yeah. I know No doubt. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's been up and down here. We've had a little bit of rain, but um, mostly it's been nice. Uh, and so, and by nice, you know, for Oregon standards, that means like 65, 70 degrees, right. which, you know, I consider just perfect.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going back through the uh, jog pod archives here and I show that your last appearance was on episode 54 all the way back in November of 2018, which oh, wow. was uh, just after the uh, uh, the midterm elections, and yeah, that was time, uh man. that was a good time. We talked yeah. a lot about uh, Oregon Ducks, and uh, you know, interesting enough, I don't know if you watched any of the uh, NFL draft last night, but oh, yeah, uh,
1: just
0: enough. <laughs> Justin Herbert, <laughs> your uh, Ducks yeah. quarterback, drafted by the. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. What do you what are you feeling about that?
1: I, uh, you know, I'm happy that he's staying on the, on the West Coast. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge NFL fan anymore, um, but you know, I'm happy that that Herbert's staying out uh, out here, um, and I think LA is a good spot for him. Um, I, I think he'll he'll get a chance to. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say he's got a chance to start this year. I know a lot of people are saying and that, you know, uh, I don't know much about the guy they have now, um, but it sounds like it's a good spot for him where, where he can kind of wait in the wings for a little while and then really uh, come in just like he did uh, as a freshman uh, for Oregon. Uh, when things started getting bad, you know, and quarterbacks were dropping left and right, he stepped up. And then all of a sudden he was, he was the guy for the next three years. Um, so, Hopefully it's uh you know nothing bad about their current quarterback, but like he, Herbert, I think is in a, a good situation uh, moving forward here. Yeah, the uh,
0: for people that don't know and may have always just just assumed that uh, Phil Rivers was uh, the Chargers' quarterback, no longer right. the case. Phil Rivers has moved on. He is uh, now a member of the Indianapolis Colts, and the current uh, projected starting quarterback for uh, the Chargers is a gentleman named Tyrod Taylor. Uh, who was a uh, high draft pick of uh, the Baltimore Ravens in 2011. Played a few years there, played a few years in Buffalo. Was uh, the presumed starter in uh, Cleveland in 2018 before – what's his name? Um, (laughs) Cleveland. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Before Baker Mayfield decided to – Make a run at things, and uh, he's since now moved on to the Chargers. So, uh, definitely an opportunity. Maybe, to, maybe Herbert gets a chance to learn for a year, and then, you know, they look at uh, turning him loose.
1: Yeah, I'm actually hopeful that. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it would be a, a a perfect storm of things to happen, but a Herbert versus Mariota uh, matchup uh, could be. You know, it could happen uh assuming both guys uh make a, a start at some point uh so you can see duck quarterbacks going head to head and the uh
0: you know. the chargers the chargers added uh some new colors to their uh to their lineup in terms of jerseys and uniforms this year uh one of their pants sets will include yellow pants so you know that justin is is comfortable with yellow pants and being the quarterback yeah. so maybe he'll just feel yeah. more comfortable now
1: Hopefully it's the right shade of yellow I'm not sure uh, we've seen uh, you know you definitely i I wouldn't be someone who would be super excited about the chargers uniforms colors uh, in the past the sky blues and those things it gives me that kind of that old uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers orange feeling Wait yeah, a second didn't, didn't like wait <laughs> a second
0: you don't love the powder blue charger uniforms.
1: I've never been a fan uh, you know uh, so maybe you know I don't know that's it's you know being an Oregon duck fan you know the uniforms are important uh, you know and colors are important so I think uh you know that's that's a tough one for me the powder blue
0: wow all the garbage uniforms that the ducks have rolled out over the years and you don't like the powder blue I, I uh, I, I think I, I, I think this is the. I think
1: uniforms. I don't know what you're talking about. I think I think this may be
0: the most <laughs> offensive thing that you've ever said to me, Donnie.
1: <laughs> I said I, I can't I can't name an offensive uh, duck uniform scheme or oh, something God. that I didn't didn't like. You know, uh, uh, I, I can't think of one. I think actually the one that that bugged me ever the most was the stormtrooper look. Uh, the pure white all the way through. I right. never liked those. Ones. I, I'm not saying I didn't like them, but it just was like, eh, okay, it's just all white. You know, big deal. Uh, uh, but no, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Ducks' uh, uniform schemes over the over the years. Uh.
0: <laughs> so I don't I don't get a chance to watch as much uh, Pac-12 anymore. Um, the Pac-12 Network is not a part of uh, my Xfinity cable package, and so so many of the games uh, for Pac-12 uh, teams are on that network. Um, but every once in a while, I'll catch a uh, Ducks basketball game on ESPN Two. That court pattern, I I don't understand how people can watch that all game long. Like it's, it's amazing,
1: you know. Uh, I went uh, I went down um, just a couple days after Christmas and caught a game. Um, and it was, it was my first time actually being in Matt Knight court. Um, it, you know, I've watched him, uh, on TV a lot. Um, but being down there and being, uh, in Matt Knight arena, it was, it, it, it wasn't, uh, as big of a thing in person as it is on TV. I thought, uh, on, on in person, it was, it was not a thing at all for me. So I, I don't think I hardly even noticed. it.
0: Now, of course you're a big basketball guy. You uh yeah. you you love you love the basketball. How how are you? How did you feel this year when there was no March Madness?
1: That you know it's a big thing. Um, and you know just to, it's kind of like for me as a as a as more of an NCAA guy than a, a pro sports guy, March Madness is right up there with like the the end of the season, like pinnacle of the year sports wise. Um, and so it it was a tough thing for it to go down. On top of that, you know, as again, as a duck fan, you know, the ducks were playing well on the men's side. Uh, obviously, on the women's side, uh, they were playing really well, uh, and so it was a it was a year where it was like all this potential for really cool things to happen, and then it was yanked uh, completely uh, everywhere, and so it was tough, you know, and just the the loss of sports in general. Um, the you know, i I'd be I haven't seen any numbers yet, but I, I imagine. The draft probably got big numbers last night, uh, just for people looking for something to watch that wasn't from 2007.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, on uh, Wednesday night, we were flipping through the channels, and there was a replay of the 2005 NFL draft on (laughs) on ESPN2. And I was like, "Why is this on? Why would you put something so stupid on?" And I was like, "And I clicked onto it, and then we watched it for 45 minutes." I'm like, "What the? Why? What am I doing?" And yeah, I- my and Nikki, not the biggest sports fan, and certainly not the biggest fan of watching people talk about sports. We're watching it, and we both. She she kind of looked at me, and she's like. You said this was so stupid, and why would anyone watch it? And we've spent the last half an hour watching it, but I'm also not upset that we've been watching it. I kind of find it interesting to hear what they said at the time and then look at it versus now because this is the draft where um, – or no, I'm sorry, this wasn't 2005. This was 2013 because it was uh, the Johnny Manziel year, and uh. you had John Gruden on TV – talking about how every team is passing on Johnny Manziel, who's going to be the next big thing. And you just go, wow, he just is terrible at evaluating players.
1: Actually, uh, I wouldn't say he was that bad. I mean, there was a tweet also that popped up yesterday from uh, our dear leader, um, oh, good glorious Lord. President Trump, saying also saying the same thing, lamenting how many teams were passing up on Manziel and saying that he was he was going to be amazing, and I guess you know, like there's always a tweet with President Trump, you know. Um, but like you know, they went back, and I think that was that was 2014, I think, uh, if I remember right, uh, and saying that he was going to be amazing, and I don't know, is he on a roster anywhere? No, like, yeah, not at all. Yeah, no, no he like, couldn't, he couldn't even, he
0: couldn't even get a job in the XFL.
1: That's what I was wondering if he was on an XFL roster or not. But that's that's pretty rough if you can't make that one right.
0: well you know uh, Vince, McMahon, Vince McMahon had very high standards in in terms of who he was uh willing to hire in, on his uh on his teams <laughs> he, he's known for his high standards but also yeah. they did they did actually have a rule that like criminals or people with criminal backgrounds were not allowed to be signed and Johnny's had a few issues so
1: yeah that's true but that wipes out a good chunk of the current NFL rosters as well
0: Exactly. Yeah, but I mean that's that's that was one of the selling points that McMahon had for the XFL is that we're gonna be you know, we're we're no one's gonna kneel. We're gonna be good upstanding. We're gonna have good upstanding citizens. We're gonna and also have terrible football.
1: Yeah, and also have terrible ratings. I mean, I I can't say I've watched a game yet.
0: Well, you won't you won't have a chance to watch a game because they filed for bankruptcy.
1: Oh, I didn't. I had totally missed that news again.
0: <laughs> Yes, uh it happened earlier <laughs> happened earlier this week or see the problem is the days are starting to run together. Uh but yeah. yeah, he uh he shut it down filed for bankruptcy. It was last week because it was uh right around the time that he also fired a bunch of guys off of uh his WWE roster after the state of Florida uh said that WWE was an essential business and would be allowed to continue to uh record their TV shows live.
1: It's, you know, I, so at least uh, he's got the ability to blame this whole thing on the coronavirus, you know, uh, yeah. and, and use that as a scapegoat. Uh, Except for all but, of us
0: that already knew that he was a scumbag, and the problem, the problem is, there's so many businesses, and I know a lot of people don't give a shit about wrestling, and I won't get too deep into the weeds on this, but there's there's a lot of people that don't understand the market economics of wwe wwe is the most profitable it's ever been in its entire history currently the last why 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 why? do people watch that well i i don't know why people. I I honestly do not watch wwe anymore uh i still am fascinated by the the uh the backstage politics and the inner workings of the business aspect so i kind of always know what's going on um but i mean why do people watch it's the same reason why people watch movies and they watch plays and they watch sports it's a, it's an escape you know it's the same why people watch soap operas why is why has young and the restless been on tv for the last 50 years you know it's, now wait a
1: minute i want to point out this that you just said basically that wwe and soap operas days of our lives are equivalent
0: I mean, uh, they're equivalent yeah. in terms of the what they're doing for the people that watch them. It's it's just a, it's storytelling.
1: Okay, uh, yeah. So, but it's not sport. Can we we agree on that?
0: Oh no no no! It's it's an okay. it's it's entertainment with athletic aspects.
1: Fair enough. So it'd be like uh, the rush Limbaugh of news.
0: The rush Limbaugh of news
1: like it's uh, not it's not news, it's infotainment <laughs> right It the, takes it, real news and tries to blow it up and make it like somehow seem interesting and and put storylines and fake stuff or whatever
0: yeah. yeah I mean that that's yeah it's 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 not it's not one thing it's but it's a, <laughs> it's a scripted athletic context that is used for as the backdrop for storytelling.
1: Fair enough. It was for the XFL. And
0: those stories have been terrible as <laughs> for many years. Uh, no, the XFL this this iteration of the XFL was just straight up football. Okay. They were they were legitimately trying to to do some things, but to to get back to my to my thing here, so the reason that it's making so much money is the the live rights for sporting events, and even though they're not sports, they've managed to get themselves grouped into that. And they have higher live ratings than a lot of things on cable, so they were able to garner a large uh, rights deal from Fox, which is where they're on Friday nights, and from NBC Universal, where they're on on Monday nights. And so they made more money in the last quarter than they've ever made in their entire history. And they furloughed a ton of employees, they fired a bunch of people, and while we are in this uncertain time, it's certainly reasonable for companies to look to do that, but for them to be the first in the entertainment sports realm to let people go while having better financial footing than any of the other companies just makes them look really terrible.
1: Yeah, the, the optics on that don't look great, right. But uh, I would say, you know, at the same time... Well, like you said, it, it, it's one of those things, like, you could say, in hindsight, they weren't wrong to do it, necessarily. It just looked bad.
0: Yeah, it looks terrible. Because when you have companies that are making no money at all and continuing to find a way to pay employees, you know, it's... What? And it's all because they're... they're vince mcmahon and donald trump are very much the same kind of person they are very much concerned about what people say about them what their fiscal uh what their quarter looks like what the stocks are doing all that sort of stuff is very important to them so that's the you know and of course i'm sure everyone has seen by now our fearless leader has uh, yet another great plan for us to fight, fight coronavirus. Have you um, had to have the conversation with your kids yet to not drink Lysol or Clorox? Luckily,
1: luckily they um, they don't pay attention to politics yet. Uh, my oldest is only ten, um, and so yeah, they they aren't um, paying attention to anything yet. Actually, I, you know, given that we're out on here on the the, the West Coast, uh, you know, they haven't then they're not really big news readers yet either um so yeah that was uh I said I quit paying attention to the nightly whatever campaign rally things that are happening right. um, on the news yeah uh, I, I quit paying attention to those weeks ago um but you know when I got up this morning and started reading the news and, and reading that stuff it was it was pretty shocking um you know and and not just reading the news but actually watching him say it uh, and, the, you know, the that's, fifty that's
0: the, the fifty second clip. Of him talking about the UV rays and then turning and uh, is it dr is it dr. Bix?
1: Burks. Burks? dr. Burks. yeah
0: turning to dr. Burks and being like you're, you're gonna look into that right <laughs>
1: like, yeah and I, then it's funny though because you look at her and watch her reaction to like uh, that wince like oh what
0: <laughs> and then ingesting gosh. in oh my god
1: Because you know,
0: you know, some dumbass is going to do this.
1: Well, yeah, but they're already hedging their bets um, and they're already coming out and saying that uh, they believe some Democrat would likely do it just to spite President Trump and kill themselves just to spite President Trump, Uh, you know, and so they, and just to make a point, you know, it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's uh, the I don't know, it's politics has been quite the turnoff. Uh, I'm still hoping that in November we move past this, Um, but who knows?
0: Is it, is Uh, it strange to you that we're back to Joe Biden?
1: Yeah. And no, Um, you know, as a, as a, a more moderate voter myself uh, you know, I was early on, I was kind of uh, like, okay, Biden would be kind of the guy to steady the ship um I pre- would prefer myself somebody younger I think at this point um I wasn't uh, a Bernie fan either um but uh it's more like I, I was actually real big into uh Pete Buttigieg uh oh, you know and and thinking he would be kind of that that moderate uh calming force um and kind of in a the sense of like a Justin Trudeau or Macron from, uh, France. But, uh, alas, we, we are back to the old white guys again. Uh,
0: We, what I find interesting is that so often you hear the argument is, well, both sides are, both sides are liars and, and both sides are criminals and both sides are terrible. I'm like, okay, if that's your premise, Let's let's say that both sides are are bad people, and I will say that there are bad people on both sides. Like there's there's not an argument against that. I, I don't believe that they're equally bad. I don't think that they're the the things that have been done on it are necessarily equal. But when you have a group of people, they both sides are bad. When one group wants to keep uh, wants to keep you from having to pay outlandish healthcare costs they want to make sure that you have healthcare they want to make sure people have a living wage they want to make sure people have access to doctors they want to they they want to do these things for that will help a much more broad spectrum of people versus a group of people that seem only interested in making sure that the super wealthy people get what they want like i don't understand how it's a question
1: Agreed, yeah. The the focus is is a tough one for me. Um it, you could go farther than that. You know, I was thinking just the the rejection of science, the suppression of voting, uh disenfranchisement, you know, all that. You know, it seems everything seems very one-sided. Um and yet I come back to a, a feeling. I don't want to say it's, you know, for sure, uh I have nothing to back this up, but like the the idea that this is gonna sound really bad, but just one side seems more ignorant than the other. That's all. It's the, the nicest way I can say. It. Uh, you know, and ignorant of facts, or at least the 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 clear rejection of of, of facts, <laughs> and that's the hard part for me.
0: Yeah, it's like so. Mitch McConnell apparently has said that he thinks that blue some of these blue states shouldn't get funding and should just file bankruptcy. So, what I find interesting is that he, he directed that basically towards New York. Well, the interesting thing is New York puts far more tax dollars into the national pool than than McConnell's state of Kentucky. Okay. Like, New York puts in more than Kentucky take. Like, Kentucky took out $168 billion. So, like... Where the fuck did these red states think all this money comes from? It's not all their money. Like they're getting—I know how many people down in the south think that California is a bunch of fucking weirdos and all this sort of stuff, but their taxes pay for a ton of the shit that they get.
1: Like that's true. Look, like look. here,
0: here you go. If if you hate everything that liberals do, then return that tax money.
1: That's well. What's funny though is they would make the same argument, you know, and like the. Yeah, the the conservatives would make the same argument, people complaining about, like, the stimulus payments and saying, you know, like, saying it's not enough, way, it's not going to do anything, you know, and the conservatives will say, well, if you don't want it, give it back.
0: Right. You but know? here's so, the, here's like, the problem. It's not like the government just, like, is giving us money. They're giving us our money. Our money, yeah. It's <laughs> our tax dollars that are being reappropriated. Yeah. So it's not like they're doing us a fucking favor and just, like, magically making up money
1: yeah it's it's a tough situation i think you know there and i i'm the first to say you know i you know I'm, i mean i'm a government guy i, I study stuff it's a hobby of mine you know but and i'm the first to say that there's always more to the story there's always more going on than what we think we know i think um and so you know i, I it happens all the time in like education you know you hear people complain about teachers and blah, yada yada how the government's doing all this stuff and i'm like well wait there's more to the story you don't know everything and so with government and appropriations and how the money is going to get back to people and, and, you know, what are the rules and who gets to apply and all that, I think there, there's more to the story. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, I agree. It's tax dollars. It's just it's coming from us. It should come back to us.
0: Yeah. And it's just it's so frustrating because, like. All this stimulus money has shown that there's money for all of the things that want to get done. If we're just willing to add, continue to add to the national debt, they basically added six trillion dollars to the national debt. Yeah, absolutely. and like yeah, only two of that is actually going to people. Four trillion dollars was injected into the into the banks for capitalization purposes. That's not going to help anyone that is like in the lower like fifty percent of income earners,
1: right. and, is and, mostly, in and is mostly and is mostly just
0: going to benefit the very wealthy.
1: Which I think a lot of it, um, well, I'm hoping. Let's say it this way uh, would be more like indirect help. You know, like allowing banks to to uh, loan money to small businesses. So it's not like right, but there's know,
0: no there's no evidence that that ever actually works. Well,
1: this trick this, this trickle this trickle down
0: economic bullshit is just a farce. Trickle down economics has not worked for the last 40 years.
1: I agree with that, you know, but the idea is that the the, the banks will loan money to small businesses. Small businesses will be able to keep employing people. Those people will earn a paycheck when they take that paycheck uh, you know, and it's, it has kind of trickled down here at this point and go, they go out to a restaurant or they go out and buy gas or they go to the supermarket, you know, that will keep the money flowing. And that's the whole idea is that in order for us, in order for our economy to work, money has to change hands. So, yeah. for example, like the stimulus payments, you know, for those people that don't necessarily need it, you know, the whatever, uh, twelve hundred dollars you know like they may get that $1200 and just it just sits in their bank account and they're spending what they were spending anyway so that really has no effect in order for it to help anybody money has to move money has to get into the cycle and go from one person to the next person if it just goes under our mattress or into a bank account and doesn't move it doesn't help anybody at all
0: right but there's a ton of people who need way more than $1200 because right. They're, you know, whether they work in a gig, a gig job, or they work in a non-essential service, or their job has basically just gone away. Like the fact that Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, went on TV and said that twelve hundred dollars should be able to last the average American ten weeks. Yeah. <laughs> on what fucking planet does this? All that shows you is that rich people have no idea how money actually works.
1: They, well that was yeah he's he's had lots of issues with that the whole let them eat cake you know i mean there's there's been many of those moments with him and his wife i believe I don't know.
0: it's it's just baffling that like they just they've never wanted for anything in their lives, so they just feel like this is just an inconvenience
1: well in, in their world it probably is <laughs> I and mean, to to be honest Yeah. Oh so for them it probably is an inconvenience and so when you look at these uh the well thinking about $1200 you know i mean that it, it, even here in this small town i mean that might cover your rent for a month and not in most cases
0: right i yeah. think i think i read a stat that the average the average one bedroom apartment rent across the country is like $1100 so that means that's the median price for a one-bedroom apartment, because I know here in Houston, $1,100, if you get an $1,100 apartment, it's not going to be anywhere that you want to live.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Uh, I know, uh, you know, looking, uh, like, here, you couldn't even find an apartment. Like, they're just not even available. Um, right. And so, but, uh, you know, like, down in Salem and whatnot, you know, I think uh, 1100 is, like, the. the I'd say it's pretty it's on the low end of average let's put it that way
0: right uh, i can uh, tell you my first apartment in salem uh i think was 375 a month
1: i i want to say back when i first uh finished college uh so this would be 2002 uh when we were living in apartments we were probably paying somewhere in the realm of 500 something like that um for like a two-bedroom you know uh, place that would you know they were nice places um and so you know but probably five six hundred somewhere
0: in there it's just it's just continually frustrating because it's like now every now all of a sudden like restaurant workers and um delivery drivers like all these stuff oh now you're important to us now we really want to say thank you like how come you how come we don't give a fuck about these people the rest of the years like now, like now, you know what's going to happen is because every commercial last night for the NFL draft was "thank you to the people working on the front lines." Yeah. Thank you, all this. This is going to be the new thing where first it was the military, then it was the police officers. Now it's going to be the doctors and nurses and the EMTs that they're going to bring out to oh, let's applaud them. Let's let's you know just say oh thanks like so we can feel better about ourselves it doesn't accomplish anything this we're, in this country we're so much about making ourselves feel good about oh look at what we're doing when we're not actually yeah. doing anything
1: well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, and, and nothing wrong with uh, at the time right now, like, you know, doing something that that recognizes uh, the contributions. But you're right. No, it's, but they're it, but they're the doing it later. It, yes. if,
0: if it's coming from a pl- like a, a real place, like a like an honest, like, thank you. But it's so many of these companies, they're using it to promote their brands. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart.
1: That's a fair that's a very fair point, uh, especially with brand promotion, but that's what commercials are all about anyway. A hundred percent.
0: But they're just it's just another thing that they can whore out for their own benefit. It's not oh, like, look at what we're doing. We've given them a hundred thousand dollars. Aren't we fantastic?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, I think, right now, you know, I mean, uh what's that? Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder or something like that, you know, where you know, you talked about all the the lower end workers who are still being forced to do their jobs. It's the and I was thinking about just grocery workers, right? You know who who are I mean, they're on the front lines just as much as healthcare workers, and yet they're still barely eking out you know a living, um, even in this times like now. You know, like the, it's not like they're getting haggard pay or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, you know like it's it's just a tough one. You know, like I said, I'm not sure. You know, there, there's plenty – it's it's hard for me to look at it and say, you know what, why don't we just stop ragging on people, period, you know, uh, and and just start saying, hey, you have a job? Excellent. Keep doing that job because we need that, you know, uh, and and let people do their thing. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's a tough one um, to, to sit back and see it and not become cynic, cynical right now. Uh, but I think I'm kind of a cynic at heart.
0: So. I, I think that's just our generation, dude. Like, we're just – Like we're just a we're just a bunch of cynical people.
1: Well, speaking of which, yeah, you want to talk about cynical? I have no idea. You know, it seems like every other day, uh, either I'm a millennial or I'm Gen X or I'm (laughs) Xenial or something like that, and I don't know which group I'm getting uh, lumped into. But you know, like I keep hearing that, like so our you know those I keep saying something that like you know 1980 is somehow the defining line, right uh, for for both i you know and like depends on which source you look at but sometimes we get lumped in with these millennial idiots and then sometimes we get lumped in with the gen xers you know who didn't care about anything and i'm like well wait a minute now hold on <laughs> i don't know if we're either of us
0: <laughs> yeah i don't so. i i don't understand how any of that works so,
1: yeah no either either,
0: either way yeah. i'm not excited to be in either group
1: okay Excite- i'm sorry
0: I said, either way, I'm not excited to be in either group.
1: No, you know, it's like, I I look back on those folks in the, like, late 60s, early 70s, and I'm like, well, what did they do? And then you look at the young group, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that, how I would not be a part of that group either, and so I just, you know, feel like an outcast no matter what. So, but I think every generation has that feeling, like, I know what the hell I'm doing, you know, those other guys can go screw themselves.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So a couple of things I wanted to hit on, um, you're a teacher obviously. And (laughs) so is your wife and all of these parents that now have to homeschool their children. Um, I, I never want to see another teachers are overpaid, uh, comment, post tweet, instagram live i if i ever see anything about teachers being overpaid i'm gonna scream because i have seen so many posts about mama needs a glass of wine after two days of tea like (laughs) yeah you know why because all of your kids are assholes can you imagine you you're dealing with your child can you imagine the person that has to deal with 30 of these assholes for eight hours a day just think. Yeah, of, know, just think uh, about that. Just, just. I, I want every parent out there to stop and think about the fact that you're dealing with however many kids you have, or two, one, two, three. How many kids? However many kids you're trying to teach, and how hard it is for you to keep them under control and keep them focused and keeping them learning. Now, times that by either if it's two, times it by. I, I'm not good at math. Fifteen, so you get thirty kids. I'm, just imagine. How having to do that all day long and how hard that is and then make $45,000 a year. But you get, but here's the thing, Donnie, you get your summers off. So, I mean, really, what do you have to complain about?
1: Yeah, we do get summers off. They're unpaid, of course. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get summer off, but I don't get paid for it. So, um, so I get laid off every year, Uh, you know, for three months, you know, uh, and so, um, and on top of that, I uh, those teachers are by law not allowed to collect unemployment for those three months either, right? Uh, so you know you, you you can go get another job, you know, but you're also competing, you know because who wants to hire somebody for only three months, right? you know uh, so also, also on top of, also with, on top of I that,
0: should... those those three extra months or those three months that you have off, you're also expected to go and get additional certification, look to advance your skills, look to all, right. all these sort of things that are also your responsibility.
1: And on your dime, yeah.
0: While, while um, most while most people are taking care of their family as well.
1: Yeah, and so, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the same kind of deal. So yeah, people are complaining about having to deal with their own kids now. Most teachers are doing that too. Right. You know, uh, so, you know, like I said, we, I've got uh, both my girls here right now. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're trying to keep them on, on pace and, and working with their own teachers. You know, and they're constantly coming in while we're on a, a, a Google Meet uh, with our classes, my kids are coming in and asking for help. is so it's the same kind of thing where we're, you know, we're, we're balancing everything just like everybody else is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do feel for parents, um, you know, like get, you know, because I am one, I said, I'm in the same boat, uh, you know, but you uh, know, my kids, you know, like I said, they have, they have tested my patients just like everybody else, you know? And I think that's the thing that, uh, kids tend to just disregard their parents anyway you know right. uh, you know so it's it's one thing my, my kids are awesome with their own teachers you know they they sit and listen and do everything you know just right you know uh and then they come home and you know i and just get ignored you know five <laughs> ten times you know i'm like what the hell <laughs> and so can't you just
0: pretend i'm your teacher what's that can't can't they just pretend you're their teacher
1: well, that's. I think it's it's different too. Like, since I'm a high school teacher, my wife gets a lot more compliance out of them as she's an elementary teacher, um, and so I think she knows how to. She she's she's much better at it than I am. Let's put it that way. Uh, dealing with my my young children. Um. So. Uh, but she's got a lot more meetings and stuff than I do as well. Um. She the. I mean, elementary teachers I think have it a whole lot harder right now than than high school teachers. They usually do anyway. Uh, I think elementary teachers should probably be elevated above high school teachers as far as pay scale goes, uh, as far as time commitment and how much harder the job is. You know, my high school kids, I can tell them, hey, get into Google Classroom, you know, go download this, you know, figure this out. They can do that. Whereas, you know, if you're trying to walk a first grader or a kindergartner, how to to get into – first to sign on to an iPad or a Chromebook and then go into certain websites or something, that – is just nearly impossible, you know, uh, and so I think it, it's pretty tough. I think it, it's made the job harder in a lot of respects. Um, you know, my watching my wife teaching from her office, you know, uh, I mean, she's, she's still putting in 12 hour days. Uh, but now it's just answering emails and, and doing one on one Google Hangouts. Uh, I uh, kind of had a Katya a you moment, uh, like this was last week. Uh, with my wife, uh, it was about 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and she was reading a story online to uh, through a Google Meet um, with with the little brother, I think, of one of her students. It wasn't even her student, um, but it was a kid that was having a tough time, a tough day, and my wife got on and read a book to him online. You know, and so it was just kind of like, wow, that's a, a it's a cool moment. Um, but at the same time, it's like, wait, why, why, why do you have to do this when you've got so much other stuff to do?
0: <laughs> Is it, does that child not have a parent?
1: They, it, they did. not I, I believe the parents were right there, um, with, uh, with the kid, you know, they were just, the parents were struggling, you know, yeah. they couldn't, yeah, they didn't know what to do with their kid was having like meltdown moments kind of thing and was really having a, a tough time. Um, and so my wife, uh, got on and read, read him a story and it was, it was, it was a cool moment to see. Like I said, but at the same time, it was like, all right, what 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 world are we living in right now? Yeah,
0: and and I say and I say this about parents, uh, you know, hey, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. But it is hard for it. It's a new reality that we're all trying to deal with. Is there are parents that you know? I think there's kids that see their parents at home and are like, oh, well, you're just here. Like, can't you just do all these things for me? Well, but parents also have to try to work, too. You know, there's parents that are trying to, you know, uh, you know, be in a meeting or be fortunate enough to be able to still work from home. You know, I think about the fact that Nikki and I are, are working remotely from our homes, but we don't have anything else to deal with. We don't have kids. We don't, like, we don't have any of that distraction and I I could see how difficult it would be, and you know, I say in jest that, but I do think that this should point one once this sort of stuff settles down and we're we're kind of getting past this COVID stuff, this really should shine a light on how important it is for teachers to be better compensated because of how like I I just hope that this gives parents that are easily. Uh, want to go on Facebook and rant again, against teachers and how easy they have it gives them a little bit of insight on to how difficult this actually is. Because I think it is important. I think one of the reasons that we have people that are so willing to buy into Donald Trump's bullshit is because we've had generations of kids that have not been taught well. They're, you know, our, our, our classrooms are overstuffed, underfunded, like – And you you think back to when we were in school. We were at the crux of the cutbacks really starting when you started to see the rollbacks in terms of what was available. You know, I think I think we were right at the tail end of when, like, they stopped doing home economics classes. They stopped doing civics classes. They stopped. Schools need to focus more on teaching kids life skills than. Just what happened in the fucking War of 1812. It's important to know history, of course. But like, Josh Mink and I had this conversation on the podcast that you just listened to recently. It feels like schools are so focused on teaching kids what a business would want them to know and to be able to do. Like, why do we live in a world where our focus on our kids is to teach them what corporate America would want them to know? Like, why well, are we think, not teaching them to, like, live?
1: I uh, um, Yeah, I think those life skills are super important. Um, but at the same time, I would also say that corporate America or, you know, basically the workforce, you know, like that is – in a way is the intent of education, you know, like the whole reason we kind of uh, went, bought into this whole public education idea was to improve the workforce. Um, and it's, I, I don't know, I, I'd say it's hard to argue that it hasn't worked. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like the, the United States is, you know, production-wise is right up there, you know? And so it's its hard to say that the public exper- public education experiment has not been wildly successful but the problem is I think more though with what you were talking about with the the decline of like life skills kind of thing was a, a shift in the, the the paradigm of who was in control of education back when we were in school I think you had much more emphasis on local control yeah um, and so you know people like the school board in mill City was able to have much more control of what the kids in mill city needed to know, uh, the curriculum that was going on, you know, like what, where those dollars were going. And since then, you know, all the way through the two thousands, you know, you had much more, uh, federal control. Uh, and then because there was more federal control, the, the Oregon, uh, and and states in general had to take more control of local stuff that was going on. And so it, it kind of came more of this, top down education model. Uh, and so, like, so, so people couldn't like, you know, mill city, you know, the kids in mill city don't necessarily need to have the same education as those kids in downtown Portland, you know? Uh, and so like, they don't need the same skills. Um, and so, but like the, but under those federal guidelines, they were being judged the same. Right. Uh, you know, and so like, I think that, Create a a big problem uh especially for for states like oregon where you have such a divide between the metro areas and the rural areas uh and and what kind of jobs and what kind of things are happening so when we talk about like workforce production and and what kind of skills the workforce needs you know it's very different and i I don't think you know you you can have like a, a a corporate giant you know kind of dictating saying here's the kind of skills we need to have kids know but those aren't the same skills that kids in Mill city necessarily need to have. Right. You know, so I don't know. Cause I mean, uh, you know, cause I'll tell you, i like nice to see more. I tell you, life
0: I, I makes, learned, so. I, I have more life lessons that I've, that I've taken not from what, uh, what I learned in shop class, but what I learned at shop class, <laughs> there are some, there are some interesting times in shop class in Mill city that are, uh, have been invaluable life lessons. I would say,
1: yeah, I, that's one of my regrets actually is that I I never got the opportunity to take those. Uh, you know, my, my schedule was too full, uh, and so yeah, i uh, i I've, I've spent a lot of hours with YouTube uh, yeah, trying to figure out you know <laughs> the things that you know probably were taught in those shop classes. Oh well, no, I'm uh, not you know. talking.
0: I'm not talking about stuff that I actually learned from the shop teacher. I'm just talking about all the shenanigans that went on that in serious. shop right. class yeah. that are gotcha. you know that's. <laughs> I I yeah. feel I feel like there's a lot of kids today and that ever since like the the explosion of like the the iPhone and having so much information at your fingertips and people being so locked into their devices is that the the social aspects of the stuff that you and I learned from being in groups and and stuff like that is It seems to, I I don't know what you're noticing. I don't have kids, obviously. So I don't know what you're seeing in terms of how kids are interacting socially. But I know from the outside looking in, I've seen kids that really struggle when they're amongst a group of people being able to like have a group conversation or be involved without everyone looking at their phone, and of course they're getting examples from adults who now also are in that situation where you could be at a group of table of like eight or nine people and everyone is together but none of them are interacting.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I I think you know it. You talk about like how much uh, budget cuts and whatnot have impacted schools. I think the the technology thing um, and phones in general uh, have have had a bigger impact, you know, um, just because it is nearly impossible uh, to to get kids separated from their devices. Uh, and it's a you know just to to it, it's be it's a psychological thing, but it is I think there's a full on addiction. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's 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 really hard. Um, I'm seeing it um, in, in my own kids even. Uh, like my, my mother-in-law gave my 10 year old, uh, one of her old phones, uh, you know, it was like, Oh, here you can use this for music or whatever. And, you know, and, and now my daughter's, you know, doing Minecraft and all kinds of stuff on it. Like, Cause she's, she's, you know, capable of putting or doing all that stuff. And so I'm like, but it's become like addicted with her already at 10 years old. And I'm like, no, we gotta get rid of this thing, you know, but now she's, she's, she's got that phone. It's not even like connected to cell service. She can't uh, call and but around that. But you know, with just Wi-Fi, she's messaging her friends. And then now she's got to be on an iPad most of the day for school stuff. And it's just the uh, technology addiction is has I just had, has had a much bigger impact than than budget cuts, really. Yeah. Well, and like yeah. for
0: for us when we were kids, it was getting addicted to the TV. Yeah, no, man. You it people was Nintendo. and Nintendo. It was Nintendo. Well, yeah, well, yeah. But TV and Nintendo and stuff like that. But and yeah. but nowadays, you you have you know you'll have a toddler and you'll see an adult just stick a screen in front of their face to entertain them. And I'm that's not gonna say, you know, that's I'm how guilty. that's how that starts.
1: Guilty. <laughs>
0: and and because, I and I understand yeah. it because you want like it's just like can, I don't know what else to do. You know, here this this will you know it's it's almost like yeah. the iPhone has like. You know, there's something that emanates from the screen that just like, here, just stay with me. I'll take care of you and comfort you and love you forever. Just always stay yeah. with me.
1: <laughs> well, that's I was trying to teach my ten year old about um, notifications and the badges and how those like uh, actually create like an addiction, right? Uh, you know, like so, like you see that notification pop up or you see that badge pop up and you want to know what it's about, what's happening. You know, oh, I, I need to, I need to, to check that out. You know, it just creates that need to feed yep uh, on, on it you know and i was like all right we, we, we i'm turning off notifications so you have no idea what's going on
0: are you are yeah. you are you a person that has a bunch of unread emails and a bunch of unreturned text messages or are you a i have to check them all and return them and what uh, where do you fall on that spectrum
1: I am an inbox zero person yep. uh, if you've heard of that. Yep. So it's, yeah, I, I hate having new emails that are unread and notifications and text messages. So uh, yeah, I respond respond immediately. Uh, and so I, yeah, I'm, it's, it's bad. It's probably a bad thing. Uh, but uh, you know, and I get annoyed actually, when friends of mine aren't responding, I'm like, wait a minute, you were just texting me, right? You know, you know, and you haven't responded now for four hours. What the hell?
0: Because like you just know? while we've been just yeah. while we've been recording this podcast, I've gotten like five different notifications on my phone that's right next to me and being charged, and I'm like, I, I I'm trying to be, I want to be engaged in our conversation, but at the same time, I'm like, I wonder what that says, and if that's something that I need to know, <laughs> and is that something I should be reading or. You know the fact that there's an there's a text message that's been on my phone for 40 minutes that I haven't replied to it's I'm, I'm very much a I don't want anything unread on my phone
1: yeah and that's uh, I think it's it's a big thing it's also but part of my um, uh, how I'm productive throughout the day too I'm a, I'm a checklist guy uh, you know like if, if I have a list of things to get done I'm super productive if I if I don't have a list you know I'm uh, I'm on the PlayStation <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's kind of like that phone, those notifications, they create a checklist of things for me to do. Uh, and so it's, but so I, I guess I feel like I'm being more productive when I'm doing that. Uh,
0: well, we've, we've spent yeah. an hour kind of just railing on all these negative topics, all this other stuff. So let's, let's lighten things up. Let's have, let's have some fun. What, what, uh, what kind of fun thing? I mean, we have all this extra time. Um, maybe you don't because you're a teacher, so you're still doing twelve-hour uh, days. But you, you're at the house more often. What uh, What kind of stuff are you doing to to stay distracted to give yourself uh, a break from what all is going on?
1: Yeah, right now uh, it's I, I don't th- teaching actually is for me as a high school teacher, and actually, so in Oregon, um, after all this went down, um, after about two weeks, they they pulled the plug on seniors too, um, and so seniors have actually been done. Uh, like, done, done. They said, basically, if they were passing your class when all this went down, so March 13th, March 14th, if they were passing, they are done. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, my seniors, uh, I, so I, half of my teaching load was seniors. And so I, I half of my teaching load disappeared at that point. Uh, and so, teaching actually, I, I for me, has not been a burden uh, like it has been for, like like I said, like my wife, who's not much a teacher. Um, and so, my days really have been, uh, the, uh, helping my daughters. Um, but you know, like I said, I've been, I've been working out a lot more. Uh, I've been getting, uh, I've been running again, getting on the bike, uh, doing workouts with my wife when I can, a lot of house projects. Uh, I, you know, really it's, uh, the one thing that I'm really missing is just simply leaving the house. Uh, that's been the hard part. Like, uh, just, uh, yesterday I took some, uh, recycling to the dump and just driving my truck felt, completely alien yeah you know i like i have i've hardly driven at all um over the past month and a half and so like just just to go across town was was like my truck like it felt like learning to drive a new car all over again so just how how different it felt um but i right now i'm missing because they've they've closed down all the state parks and the county parks uh i keep looking at like i'm i i want to go fishing um but i haven't been able to to force myself to get out of the house yet <laughs> too much. Yeah. Are
0: you guys yeah. uh, At least. are you guys as a family are you guys binge watching anything? Are you doing anything like
1: that? We actually, actually that's a good point. We have uh we've not really uh my wife and I had um bef- right before this went down um and we got into the Outlander series. Okay. Uh have you watched that?
0: I have not. Uh Nikki uh, Nikki yeah. watches Outlander, she loves it
1: yeah it's actually really good um it's you know like uh like for me actually uh so i am uh, a time travel fiction nerd anyway um and so it's right up the plus being a history guy a history teacher you know uh it, it kind of hits uh checks all the boxes for me um it's also gosh it's it's as close to you know, it's like the old Skinamax.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so I've no. I mean, I've yeah. I've walked into the room or been on the other side of the room and and heard plenty of it. So yeah, yeah. it's it's
1: yeah. Like I said, it checks all the boxes, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, so it's it, it was really good. So we were watching that, um, and then uh, we are caught up uh, with the end of Netflix at least, um, and so until the the next couple seasons pop on there. Um, but actually, the really cool thing uh, has been. Um, we as a family we've gotten more into the um, like uh, card games. Uh, we we we've, we've really gotten into like Phase Ten and Uno lately. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and so it's been it's been a nice thing. Uh, my girls are just getting old enough now where uh, they are into the games and they they are able to uh, pay attention to it at least, kind of think of some strategy and and figure out what's going on. Um, and so Uno has become quite competitive. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. Now, yeah. that
0: that seems that seems ripe for uh, fighting and crying.
1: Yeah, well, the the hard part is like so they're they're pretty good about. And I mean, mostly down, by but, you. I mean, yeah, well, that's I'm, I lose consistently. You know, so what's funny is my seven year old has won almost every game that we've been playing, uh, and so she's becoming quite the card shark. Um, but uh, it's it's hard because they will play their hand, and then you know it'll get to be like seven thirty at night when we're playing this after dinner, uh, eight o'clock. So they'll play their hand and then they'll run off and do a couple cartwheels and be doing flips, uh, and all this stuff over on the side. And then, you know, we're like, Hey, Brandon it's your turn. Get back over here. You know? And so that's the hardest part is that they still have so much energy at that point in the night. Uh, and Inga and I are just sitting around, you know, just w- wanting to hang out. Uh, and, and the girls are kind of bouncing around. Um, and so, and plus they're, you know, they're not doing as much throughout the day as they usually do. So they've got a lot of pent up energy. Right. So. So that's made it harder but it's been cool to to see them kind of evolve into the wanting to play games and and do those kind of things. We haven't gotten so much into the board games um but uh we've done a few of the bigger puzzles um you know and so we're, we're doing you know like all the families are we're we're doing what we can to kind of pass the time. Um but actually I I'm not going to lie it's it's been a complete blessing uh to to be able to spend the extra time with family. Yeah.
0: I have uh, a coworker of mine. They had uh, they had a new son uh, just over a year ago. And so one of the things that he's been appreciative of is while he's working from home is he's getting all this extra time with his son, you know. He's getting to see a bunch of stuff that he probably would have missed. Either, you know, it would have happened in daycare or, you know, he's he's just starting to take his first steps. And he's like, this is so great. Like, what if he took his first steps at daycare and I wouldn't even have seen it or all this sort of stuff. So he's like, he's trying to find, like, the silver linings in, in some of this stuff. And it's, you know... There's there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of sadness and frustration and all the other stuff that that we're all feeling in this and the collective like the collective unconscious I think is is all very tight and and anxious. But there's, you know, there there have been good things that have come from this, you know, just you know, that I don't know it's, it's the air feels cleaner to me um like in houston like it's there's a lot of less there's a lot less people driving i know that i've seen pictures from like places in la like yeah the the smog is so much less like you know yeah people i mean i don't know if people have figured this out yet but like we're the disease (laughs) like (laughs) to planet to planet earth we're the fucking covid
1: Yeah. yeah It's been interesting seeing, uh, and not just the the air and stuff too, but uh, the animal life. There's been a lot of stories about animal life returning to towns, yeah. um, and you know, like you see the I don't know if you saw that the jellyfish that was swimming through the canals in Venice, uh, you know, and so those kind of things. I think the 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 bigger shift we were talking, you know, you mentioned positive things and and how um, people's perception might change a different work though. I, I think the bigger thing is going to be, uh, you know. What what we might see in the perception of being able to telecommute, uh, and how many people will maybe push for more of this in certain yeah. jobs and in certain industries? You know, we may see a huge uh, push uh, as far as people saying, "No, I want I want to work remotely." Yeah. You know, that was actually a good thing, uh, and be more flexible with my time. And people may say, "Wait, I can do my job." You know, and I don't have to be a nine to five or an eight to four and be at my desk. I can do it from home. You know, the infrastructure is there, and it allows me time to 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 be a contributing member of my family again. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so like I I think that would be the 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 biggest hopeful. I'm hopeful for that change. Uh, you know, and to see that and see how it uh, affects the the dynamic of the country as far as the, or the world actually, for that matter. Uh, you know, and, and see how many people say, wait a minute, I, I need to get back to this yeah. uh, rather than being just, you know, always uh, at, at a desk somewhere.
0: Yeah, I would, I mean, I would yeah. say for my job, there's been a zero loss of productivity between the difference between working in the office and working from my house. Like our job hasn't slipped a one bit. Um, I mean, I, I, if I have an internet connection, I could do my job from anywhere because my job is is not so much about collaborating with other people in my office. It's about uh, you know contacting my my truck driving companies and my gas stations and 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 getting their information and and all that goes into my computer uh, for the most part. And everything that's not in my computer, I do with phone calls or email. So I literally. I could, I could probably never set foot in my office building again and and have just as much productivity um, as, as I would if I was there. So um, I know that here in, in Texas, um, the, uh, the stay-at-home orders are supposedly going to be lifted uh, like May 4th. And, you know, they're talking about recalling some people to work. But I've had conversations with my supervisor. I'm like, uh, just because they, the, the, the state has said and the and the county judges want to reopen things, like, there I don't see the rush to go back. We're not losing anything by not being there. So, um, because on the floor that I work on, we would not be able to follow the social distancing guidelines because our seats – are not six feet apart like we live i, I work on a big yeah. open commercial trading floor and yeah. we're all just stuck in there like sardines in a can basically so it's like we wouldn't be able to follow those guidelines and i have no interest in in sitting that close to people at this point i mean i know they're the state of georgia is talking about opening restaurants and opening movie theaters and stuff like that and they can do that but the thing i fear is that that's just going to generate overhead for those businesses, and there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to go out and patronize those places. Of course there will be some. You're going to have the people that for some reason seem to show up at these uh, these rallies to reopen the country. Yeah. <laughs> have, have, has anyone asked anyone at these rallies what their job is that they want reopened? Are any of these people actually people that work, or do they want everyone else to go back to their jobs so that their lives are easier?
1: It's a tough one, you know, like watching some of those, uh, you know, like what are they really protesting? You know, you see people talking about freedom and tyranny, you know, and how this is 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 taking or government doing too much. It's like, well, this is exactly what government is for this kind of thing. Right. Uh, You know, like that. This is this is I'm a big fan. I think it was Lincoln that said something like government should do all things that people cannot do for themselves. Right. this is that. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing more than than this, you know. And, like, the whole – people should be able to social distance, but they don't. You know, like, uh, out here in Oregon, you know, the governor was trying to be lax and saying, you know, we'll keep parks open and all that stuff. But people were just congregating and flocking to these places. It was right when spring break hit, you know. And so – and it was – coincidentally, it was right, like, the first nice week of weather in Oregon, which, again, was, like, 65 you know, and like, but the people had like flocked to the coast and flocked to out here to the gorge. And it was like, holy cow, we can't do this. You know, like all these people out here, if something bad happens, our rural areas are going to get overwhelmed, you know? And so it like people said, no, the governor had to say, this is not going to work. You know, you guys, you got to stay home. And so these folks that are out protesting, you know, I think they're protesting just the fact that somebody's telling them what to do. And and they don't like that, you know. And so for somebody that could be complaining about hair salons, you know, and tattoo parlors needing to open really? Yeah. Uh, well, well, sir, why? you <laughs> Sir
0: you no longer understand the necessity of a barber. So I mean I'm no, a little no, no. I'm a little bit more on the side of <laughs> I wish my barber shop would open, but Let's I'm willing to I'm, on, I'm willing to forego it. Bro, I still have lush I still have lush locks. And I'm the only yeah. I'm the only man on my side of the family that has hair. I can't grow a beard for shit, and I've been trying. <laughs> I haven't I haven't shaved since I stay, started staying home, but I I, I have no I, I have not much of a beard, but I still have my luscious locks, and I, I don't plan on shaving them
1: off. That's enjoy that while you can you know i i there's some <laughs> days where I'm jealous of it, and there's some days I'm like, you know what I, I haven't paid for a haircut in twenty something years you know so i'm I'm looking at all that money I've saved
0: right no I mean i under- <laughs> i I understand i mean there uh, if it, if I didn't love my hair so much i would I, I would embrace that possibility, but I you know. There's so yeah. there's so few good physical things that I have left remaining, Donnie. I have to embrace my hair.
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, I say enjoy it while you can. Uh, if you got it, flaunt it.
0: Because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if you've turned forty yet, but I turned forty in August. So not yet.
1: I've, I've got a couple months still. I'm I'm only a month ahead. Of, I'm only a couple weeks actually. I think ahead of you. When's your birthday in August? Eleven. Yeah, eleven. So I'm I'm less than a month older than you. Oh, that's uh, right july 17th there, yeah exactly
0: yeah. so we uh this is the summer where shit gets real for us sir
1: yeah that 40 thing is uh it, it's a it's a hump to get over um and uh you know i've i've never be, since you know you and i both have this thing like you know the summer birthdays never seem like they're as big of a thing anyway right for me at least you know and so it was just kind of like all right well it's coming up you know but usually for my birthday we're out traveling or doing something uh going somewhere and i just this i don't know what that's gonna look like this year
0: yeah i have a uh i started uh a facebook group to plan my 40th birthday in january um (laughs) you know because i you know i live in houston i most of my friends live far away so i was just wanted to you know put it out there of what was happening so people you know could make plans accordingly and you know this is really throwing a wrench into all that and if And I've said this, I've made this joke before, but if COVID ruins my birthday party in August, that's going to be the real tragedy of this whole thing.
1: Yeah. The only thing I can think of is you should probably have a Corona-themed birthday party. That's all I can do. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's let's talk about
0: one last fun thing, and then we'll get you out of here. I'm sure you have stuff that you need to get to this morning. I know that recently you watched the entire series of The West Wing, and it's my favorite show of all time. I rewatch it all the time. I, and it's it has it has so many things that are, um, you know, like tropes and and um, you know, stories and stuff like that 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 apply even to to our current day situations. But what did you think of the series overall?
1: Uh, I I really liked it. Uh, you know, I, I think I had tried to watch it once before and got through like part of the first episode and then just lost interest or something but i sat down and watched it and after like one or two episodes i was absolutely hooked um and, and i i went through it rather quickly i want to say uh I, I was definitely binging it um but it, it was shocking to me how how many parallels uh there are uh between what was happening in, in that series and then everything that happened, you know, in real life. Yeah. Uh, and so and really with that um, and also uh, after that when I went straight to Madam Secretary uh, with Taylor Leone. OK. Uh, and it, it, it was the same deal. You know, it just seemed like everything that was happening on West Wing and Madam Secretary was now playing out in real life. And I, I think I tweeted this once and I said it, it just feels like real life is a rerun. Like, yeah. I've already seen this, you know uh and so like we already know what's happening uh and so it, it was very cool I enjoyed it uh you know it's it it's like with all things and when West Wing ended when I finished watching you know it was that such a huge letdown yeah uh you know that that no oh, great now what am I gonna do what <laughs> <laughs> is so, it is
0: interesting if if life is like a TV show and life is like the arc of you know the history of TV. Then unfortunately we we've had to now live in the era of the really crappy reality T V show with the crappy reality T V host.
1: Do you have yeah.
0: uh did you have any favorite episodes of, of the West Wing or favorite moments?
1: Um not necessarily. It's more um just characters. Yeah. Uh you know, like I, I think uh I really got into CJ uh, yeah. as a press secretary, and then looking at how Press secretaries have played out over the last three years. Uh, it's been a, an interesting, you know, looking at like how that fictional press secretary handled everything, and press secretaries now who don't handle anything uh, <laughs> at all, you know. Uh, and so I, I think that was a bigger one. Um, Josh Lyman, you know, how can you not be a big fan of Josh, right? Uh, so I think that was a, a, a... I really got into his character as well. Uh, um and then looking at like again parallels. Um the uh I can't remember the guy's name, but the uh the guy who comes back, it was the previous president who comes back uh, to run uh for president again um uh, in West Wing. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: The previous president that comes back to run.
1: The old white guy. The old white guy. Uh uh Wait, am I thinking, maybe, I think, maybe I'm crossing my episodes, hold on, I or think, crossing my shows. I think you might be. I might be talking about Madam Secretary, oh gosh.
0: Because I, I pretty much know everything about the West Wing, and that's not yeah. ringing any bells for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's Madam Secretary, but there's this, in that one, there's this old white guy that comes back to run for president, who was the previous president, and uh, it's like, he's a, he's a Joe Biden lookalike, and I'm like, yeah. wait, oh we've seen this okay all
0: right (laughs) yeah because they don't have they don't really deal with any past presidents um except uh in some later episodes when they go to the funeral uh for uh president lassiter who passed away
1: that's right yeah that's that's a
0: deep cut you got to be a west wing fan to remember that president lassiter was a real thing because it's not even a real president but
1: (laughs) well done yeah no i enjoyed it though yeah i thought it was it was a great series um I'm and now that I'm looking back on it and saying I'm surprised it took me that long to actually sit down and watch it.
0: Yeah, and that uh, that hook at the end of season one, the uh, the assassination attempt and the way they the way that it just goes to black and with no resolution. That's that's actually what turned that show's popularity in real like when it was actually airing. That first season of The West Wing kind of just you know people were. Like, critically, it was it was getting acclaim and stuff like that, but, like, it kind of was just kind of floating there and kind of hanging out, and then they had that episode, and, uh, you know, I actually remember Curtis Hansen talking about the West Wing when <laughs> it was airing, um, and uh, I, I can't remember what we were – I was hanging out with Mark. And he was just talking about the show The West Wing, and I was like, "A government show Who gives a shit." Like, and then like, <laughs> now it's like the thing I'm most obsessed with, and probably be in my whole life. So,
1: well, it's funny though. Now looking back, well, and, and just I'm like thinking about how like watching shows back then, when you had to wait a whole week yeah for a show for the next episode, or have to wait months for that next season to come out, you know. And now we're binging it. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's, I, I can watch the next episode or the next season in, you know, in 30 seconds after yeah. the last one ended.
0: Well, I came I yeah. came into the West Wing, you know, when it was still on the air. It was the last, mm. I think, the last two seasons. So, like, that, that last season of, like, waiting, yeah, it was waiting for a week. And rec- and it was on Sunday nights, and I worked. Um, I, so <laughs> I was still doing, I was still, uh, I was a blackjack dealer then. So having to record it and try to watch it, and, yeah, it was... Kids, you just don't understand how hard it used to be.
1: They don't know. They have no idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, any uh, any words of wisdom that you want to impart to uh, the audience? Any you know we've 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 covered a lot of different things here. Anything that you want to say to people? Any? Do you feel like we're coming out of this soon? What what do, what do you got?
1: No, you know I I, I think uh, right now I, I think we're we might be in this for the long haul, uh, and so I would say mo- for most people you know like. Look without yourself um, and, you know, look at look around and see what's happening. Realize that everybody is going through their own shit show right now with how this works. Uh, and just, you know, be be patient, be flexible with with yourself and with other people. Uh, and, you know, like we, I hate to say, we you know, the, that thing where everybody's saying we're all in this together. We're not. Uh, it, we're not in this together. People are coming at this from different You know, sorry, we're we're going through the same storm. We're not all in the same boat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, so I think that's the biggest one for me is just, you know, be be generous, be flexible with people. um, And uh, hopefully we'll come out through this on the other side uh, with the Ducks winning the national championship next year. (laughs) With the Ducks winning the national championship.
0: (laughs) Well, if we're living in a fantasy world, that's a good way to end things.
1: (laughs) I like it. well
0: sir i wanted to want to thank you for taking some time this morning uh to talk with us here on just another white guys podcast another great opportunity to have a conversation hopefully we've uh had someone else kill an hour and 20 minutes while they're on a run um thank you guys thank you guys so much for listening we'll have more episodes coming very soon i actually have another interview booked today for more content coming so look for that in the coming days in the meantime stay calm, stay safe. Remember, just like Donnie said, we're all in the storm. We're not in the same boat. So just keep on being positive. Try to find the good things. I know there was a lot of negativity in this episode. I promise I'm trying not to be negative. There's just a lot of crazy shit going on in the world. So stay safe and remember to wash your hands.